1: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
0: Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24 month installment billing. No trade in required. Visit a Sprint store,
2: sprint.com, or call 800 Sprint One. Tone $15 a month after 22 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early remaining miles, due. unlimited basic after 6 3020 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto pay, data deprioritization during congestion, speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.
0: Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe.
1: Hello,
2: everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Jake Watroba, and joining me today, down in Dallas, is Armand Kafei, and in Madison, Wisconsin, is Steven Jodaran. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Pod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. And don't forget, you can also find us on any major podcast platform, including Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and much, much more. On this week's episode of the show, we discuss and react to the latest uh, results in MLS, Playoffs. Plus, we discussed the recent three months of U.S. men's national team friendlies. Also, it's another installment of the high press with Armand Kafai. And finally, it's the counterattack with yours truly, Jake Petrova. Now, let's get to today's show. <laughs> Steven, Armand, how are you guys doing today?
0: Doing well, Jake? How you
2: doing? Well, after the fifth or sixth take of that intro, I'm doing much better.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, we got a fantastic episode, a shortened one for you, listeners. We're gonna fly through a ton of content and um, MLS playoffs, Jake. You've been really excited for those.
2: Oh man, I I cannot tell you how uh, excited I was to watch. The uh, MLS playoffs, the uh, Red Bulls, Atlanta United. We also had SKC Portland, uh, two stellar matchups, and I think um, <laughs> oh most likely with SKC and Portland, I think we really uh, we got a treat this afternoon. <laughs> oh. A nil-nil draw, uh, the prototypical uh, nap football, as we like to toss around on this. Uh, Did show. we
1: all sleep during? Did we all sleep during that game? Because I took a 30-minute nap. I didn't I, watch.
0: That's
2: how excited I was for
1: it. I, I'm, I'm serious. Is
0: As funny as Jake is trying to be, he does make a really good point. MLS playoffs can be really boring. There needs to be some sort of systematic change to this all.
2: Like well, we, well, well, it's funny you say that, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> because they might be coming.
0: Yeah, well, we gotta save that for another show, Armand. Um, yeah, what what's going on in your little world? I think you this is the first time you're back on the show after uh, last week's uh, guest call, right?
1: Yeah, I'm ready to get pounded by exams this week. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I've I've took a two week break from watching soccer. That was really cool, right? Um, didn't watch that much, and now I'm fully into the MLS playoffs you know how it is always watching MLS on Sundays I feel like a no life but you know (laughs) this is is what we do okay MLS playoffs
0: well as a way to get around things let's get to the high press with Arman Kafai
1: All right, guys, it's the high press with your boy, Armand Kafai, and it's something that the Red Bulls didn't do this week. Atlanta and Red Bull play. It's the best two teams in MLS. You see the best two teams in MLS history. Red Bulls with 71 points. Atlanta with 69, squaring off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Excitement, a full stadium, TIFOS. Vamos, ATL, vamos. Will it be the last time we see Tata Martino, Joseph Martinez, and Miguel Amaron in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Not so fast as Joseph Martinez scoring off a Jeff Lorenem's assist. Franco Escobar at a second goal. And the dagger was thrown in by Hector Villalba in the 94th minute. Red Bull thought they had a goal to make it 1-1. But Alex Mule was called for an obstruction uh, according to VAR, our favorite system. So Atlanta with a 3-0 lead going into Harrison. It doesn't look good for the Red Bulls. And like they say in New York... That's so Metro. Moving on to the Portland SKC matchup. It's a rematch of the double post game. Remember that when Saad Abdul Salam hit the post and hit both posts? They made a bar after him. It's a rematch. Portland was hot after a huge win over Seattle, but they lost it uh, due, due to an injury. They thought it took the lead in the 70th minute of a... David Guzman goal but it was called off because Ridgewell was offside the backup for my Balatulama thought he scored as well but Tim Milia with his cat like reflexes grabbed it and it was 0-0 according to Opta the expected goal for both teams for SKC was .56 for Portland it was .71 not that much action and I took a nap we'll see what happens next week in SKC but this first leg shows why we need one leg in MLS playoffs and why these changes should be good because I think we all took a nap during that match. That's the high press with your boy.
0: Well, thanks, Armand, for that. I have a question. Do you rehearse those?
1: Uh no, I just write down a bunch of facts and then I just go from there.
0: Oh. I couldn't help but laugh my ass off as Jake over there was uh texting the group group chat a bunch of comments from from what Armand was saying. <laughs>
2: Jake Yeah they very know. they are very appropriate for this show too, by the way. So
0: No, okay, uh let's begin with the Red Bulls Atlanta game and Armand, I don't think any of us expected that score line.
1: No, I don't think so, but I don't think anyone uh, expected Red Bull to not press, even though their entire mantra is to press the ball, right? Uh, I think Paul Carr uh, on Twitter mentioned how Red Bull would average uh, starting possessions in their opponent's uh, final third. So that means they'd probably press the ball and get a turnover. 6.4 times a regular season on average. This game, that number was zero. I don't think anyone expected Red Bull to come out and be so defensive, and I was honestly surprised. A lot of people have mentioned that you know Kamar Lawrence was out, and that's why he shifted to kind of that de- really defensive look. But it it they were they were on the back foot the entire game.
0: Did uh, why do you think Chris Armas uh, set his team up the way they did? They played to me. They played to win the game zero zero, and Atlanta. Who has been hot? Now, this is courtesy Opta Jack. Before the game, Atlanta United is unbeaten in its last 11 MLS games at home, including playoffs. Eight wins, three draws. The so Five Stripes average 2.4 goals per game during the span, while allowing just under a goal per game. Now, it, why if why would you go into Atlanta hoping to you know walk out with zero zero? Why? That is stupidity because the moment Atlanta got the momentum and got that first goal, then it seemed to open a can of worms. Now, I, I don't think the game should have, you know, the Red Bulls had one called back. They had other opportunities. So I don't think the scoreline necessarily reflects the way or, or the momentum in which the game flowed.
1: My thought process with the whole thing was, I actually voted for Chris Armis be coach of the year. And so I'm coming from a completely, I guess, unbiased or slash a biased, I guess, point. I think he got the wrong completely game completely wrong. I think his game plan going into the game was wrong. I think it just stuck with what he got. It seems like the Red Bulls, whenever they lose a key player, they always stick to that certain style of pressing. You know, remember, we, we forget that that second matchup between Red Bull and uh, Atlanta, they didn't have Bradley Wright Phillips, they didn't have Tyler Adams. Those are, I would argue, two a little bit more important players than Kamar Lawrence. So why they changed it up now? Why Why was it? I think Armis really messed up. I don't know why you would set up to try to enter a match and end up with a 0-0 result. I would go guns blazing. I would try to shoot, you know, score at least one goal. Um, and it cost them. And then I was surprised that they pushed so many numbers up at the end of the game, too. I, I don't know if you saw that, Steven or Jake. But it pushed so many numbers up that it allowed Hector Villalba to score that goal in the 94th minute and dag- and just essentially send the game to make it 3-0 instead of, you know, setting up shop and kind of killing off the game to make it to go 2-0 to Harrison because 2-0, uh, hot sports take, it's easier to come back from than 3-0. So I thought he got it wrong. I thought he got completely wrong uh, in terms of how he managed the game as a whole.
0: Uh, no doubt. I think he did. Definitely did. Now, Jake, uh, is the series over at 3-0?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's over. It's so over. There's no reason to watch the match on Thursday. No reason. We will,
1: this, our listeners, we will. This,
2: we will. But no. Well, you will.
1: I will. And I will. this
2: has been another another installment of Jake chinks is everything and Red Bull will win four <laughs> three somehow. Um, but seriously, come on. Does anyone think that they're gonna be able to hang three goals on Atlanta and keep them off the score sheet?
0: Well. John Strong and uh, Stu Holden were uh, talking about it on the broadcast during the Portland KC game. Of course, they're they, are,
2: they, gotta pump, they gotta pump it up because they have to, <laughs> they're the, gonna be the network that's broadcasting it. Yeah, so they
0: so the, they're broadcasting it, and it's only been twice, I think, in MLS history that a team overcomes three 0 So it is so you know unlikely. How, I don't understand this home field advantage thing here. Red Bulls, the best. Regular season in MLS history it doesn't, history matter. Suddenly doesn't <laughs> matter. Furthermore, it's like they don't even have a home field advantage.
1: There is it none. It does. It doesn't matter. Like the fact is, you got to score three and make sure that Atlanta doesn't score one. That's gonna be tough. And I bet you Atlanta scores one early, just you know, countering off Red Bull, pu- pushing up too many numbers. That's it. And if that happens, series over. And we're talking about Atlanta going to MLS Cup on Big Boy Fox.
2: Armand, yeah. if you're Atlanta, let's start that game off. Let's say the first 15 minutes or so. Are you just pushing numbers forward just to try to get that, just try to get that goal, and not allow uh, Red Bulls to kind of settle into some into, into things?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a good point because I, I think the other point would be sit back and then hit him with a counter. But the thing is, Tata, I think has even though this is his last in MLS, I think he's learned how to manage a playoff series if that makes any sense we saw that in the nycfc i would expect them to line up a lot like how they did in the nycfc uh, uh road leg you know just a little bit more uh counter-based a little bit more defensive um, but i also wouldn't be surprised if tata came out and said hey let's go guns blazing and let's try to end this series uh quick because that's his mantra attacking uh attacking football but i mean in my if i was tata which i'm not i would I would try to – because here's the thing. If you allow Red Bull to kind of settle in, then they're going to start pressing and then turnovers could happen. But if I were if I was Tata, I would just – I would try to hit them on the counter with a Miguel Amarone or Joseph Martinez and and try to get that dagger either in the 30th or 40th minute and, and see how it goes. But, I mean, you wouldn't be wrong with that mentality either. Do the Red, <clears throat> Red Bulls have the
0: firepower, you think, to score with Wright-Phillips, Kaku, and – you know, Tyler Adams nope. moving forward. Nope. I don't they don't have the same firepower as Atlanta to score so many goals.
1: If there was one team I would choose to like come back from a three oh deficit, it would be Atlanta. Not like Red Bull or anything, if that makes any sense. Let's flip it to the Western conference where uh
0: sporting KC traveled to Portland in a nail nail draw.
1: I guess I would say typical first leg. Typical first leg, very cagey. Uh, SKC just, I guess, not really wanting to concede. And Portland trying to be careful not to concede that way. Goals is two kind of cautious cats. IMO.
0: Was Portland here in the mistake of not trying to go out there and get in the goal? Now that they're on the road having, you know, to play in KC, which is not an easy environment whatsoever. Uh, did they shoot themselves in the fact that they could have gone out there and – you know, try to get that goal when, in fact, it seemed to be more stuck in the midfield and was more of a tactical battlefield of both sides not wanting to concede, rather than both sides wanting to go after a goal.
1: You know, a hot sports take of the day. I think Portland's fine with this. Uh, I think SKC is also fine with it, but I think Portland's fine with it because sometimes they don't like having too much of the ball. And now going on the uh, going on the road, they have the opportunity to, to uh, go on the counter with Valeri Blanco and uh, Boussier um and go from there I, I i don't think portland's that upset i think okay they they pushed hard for a goal but i don't think they're generally upset hey uh we really screwed up i think they'll be fine i i, th- I, I they should be fine um but again skc has a huge home field advantage so come kind on
2: of yeah Armand, is there more pressure on skc in the second leg or more pressure on portland
1: SKC you think no higher seed
0: higher seed higher seed and mm-hmm. they're at home
1: <laughs> yep I agree alright it has, it has to
0: be has to be um, on the other side we're going to talk some US men's national team yay
1: yay So, guys, I have an idea. Let's talk about how much we hate the US Men's National Team right now.
0: That's a great – Steven,
1: Steven, you go first.
0: Um, On a scale of 0 to 10 because we like scales here, Uh, 11.
1: What about uh, our boy Jake over here?
2: I'm at about a 4 or a 5. Very minimal hates.
1: no, how I much
2: mean, for me, Okay, wait. Is it you? How much do I hate the U.S. men's national team, or how much do I hate U.S.
1: soccer? Because those are two different things in my eyes.
0: What was your original we, question, Armand? I don't remember.
1: I said, "How much do you hate U.S. men's national team?" All right, yeah, eleven. I'm sticking with my eleven.
2: I'm about like a four, three or four. I'm, I, I've actually downgraded it since you've asked me the first time. How is that uh, possible?
1: Of, yeah, that's not even possible.
2: Yeah, no it is because it happened. Um no, I don't I'm not a, a, as a up about this as you guys are. Okay, explain Nash-
0: to me your thinking here, Jake.
2: Are we talking performance based? Because performance based, I can't I can't look at the national team and have any opinion on it until a permanent manager has been hired and I and I really think that some time needs to be set to allow him to put a, a system in place. And I don't, I don't think you can really say if the national team is better or worse until after the Gold Club. Um, that's just kind of my take on it right now. Now, if you want to talk U.S. soccer and the way they've botched this coaching hire and how we're, you know, turning people away, f- you know, from clubs like Real Madrid and uh, who is I saw somebody out of the, out of Syria a manager in Syria who wanted the job I can't remember what. want to say it was Parma, but I mean. If, if we want to talk about that, then yeah, that's a, That's like a 13. But the national team, performance-wise, I couldn't care less right now.
0: No, I think you can be angry with the performances. Under Dave Saracan, three wins, four draws, five losses. Goals afford, 11. Goals allowed, 15. You want to know about the possession-wise? <clears throat> Against England, they held the US held 40% against Peru 32 against Colombia 38 against Mexico. They won that game by the way. 47 against Brazil, 35 against Italy at halftime because I'm reading our own Uncle Sam Soccer Pod Twitter feed here. 26%. Ooh. Are you kidding me? How and and for the last year we talked about the talent that the US has. At the very least, you should be able to see these glimpses of talent. But the players are so lackluster and they have a stick up their behinds when they put on the U.S. Men's National Team jersey that they can't figure it out how to play with each other, how to have some sort of chemistry. You would think, you would think that these players would have some sort of team bonding, especially in the last year and particularly the last couple of games, to figure it out because it's been similar players have been getting called up to the national team. None of that has progressed. Dave Sarakan, God, this guy, has the audacity to say, I feel as the leader over the last 12 months of this program, I feel we have moved it forward. Armand, please tell
1: me this guy is delusional.
0: Or am well, I yeah, delusional?
1: Yeah, I mean, someone was saying that they wanted Dave Sarakan be FC Dallas coach, and I almost just... Uh... Uh, sent in my resignation letter to Pro Soccer say I could I would, I would be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to see that. Um, I mean, part of my problem with the U.S. men's national team, because Jake has a point. I mean, a lot, a lot of it is is an interim manager and whatnot. But I'm just disappointed at the way that a lot of people are like, oh, it's Italy, oh, it's England, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. I mean, my my thought process is this: I I think we have the talent in this country to compete. Keep with these with these guys. Call me crazy, call me legitimately crazy. Crazy. But I think we do, and we saw it in our youth with the U twenty U twenty qualifying, with how good they played. They I everyone in the region, including Mexico. Uh, a lot of these guys are are going to to the Bundesliga to get to get more playing time. But the problem is, just as a cohesive unit, they don't look good. They don't look good at all. Against Italy, looked awful. Against England, looked awful. Against Brazil, on the back foot. Against Colombia, on the back foot. How are these friendlies even good for us, even good for the United States uh, in terms of, you know, gaining confidence? Because how can you gain confidence when you're not even on the ball 90% of the time and you're getting uh, hit with attack after attack like uh, Italy did? And by the way, Italy got rid of their coach after missing the World Cup, implemented a new coach, and now are a well-oiled machine, I would probably say. Not, not yet, not yet. But wait. are
0: they're getting there. No, Italy is getting there, but look at Ireland. Ireland sacked their manager November, I think, 21st. Now, I'm just going off memory. They already have a new manager in place. In fact, they have a new manager in to replace the guy that they just hired. So they have the next two managers lined up. The Irish Football Federation, or whatever they're called. Now, Jake, you had a question for Arman.
2: Well, I was going to say... For uh, somebody who hates Dave Sarakin as much as Armand does, uh, kind of uh, getting to his point about playing teams like Colombia, Brazil, England, Italy, where you can't possess the ball. If you were to play teams like Bolivia, like they did in the summer, where you were able to possess the ball, well, that you know, if you play teams like that, that might have painted Dave Sarakin in a different picture, and maybe we're sitting here today going to, or talking about how Dave Sarakin is the permanent manager for the national team or, or something this. to that effect. Don't, so don't you let can my, argue, don't let my I, nightmares I'm going come to, to argue that playing some of the big boys benefited or could have benefited the U S in terms of who was selected or even interviewed uh, for the national team position.
1: My thought process with uh, playing a smart to make Bolivia. Okay. Yeah, you, you get that. But I mean, it's also the style and the way it happens too. The U.S. can possess, and they should be better than possessing 26% of possession against Italy. They just sat back and absorbed so much pressure. They got I, – I think we all said it before the game. They're going to get shredded. This three-five-two, or whatever it was was not a good look. Am I right? Like I think we all said that in the group message.
0: I spit out the coffee in my mouth that I wasn't having.
1: I know Jake was like – Jake also was like, hey, this isn't a good well,
2: look. Well, I, I'm, I'm – I- <laughs> I think I said I bet they didn't even practice this at all. That this is like a Klinsman thing, a la Mexico and Columbus, where they were going to play a three man back line and they never practice it.
0: No, but, but here's the thing: is I get Armand's point and I get Jake's point too. But if you look at the team, it's not like they're even having fun. They have absolutely no idea what. Yeah, they're how doing can team. you have fun when you're getting
1: 24 percent of the possession? No, I I
0: understand that, but at what point do you just say hands up, screw it, let's just go have fun, like? It's like Dave Saragan played it to the point where look, I'm playing the youth. We're playing these big teams. So if we lose, Dave Sarigan cannot lose with the media, cannot lose with the fans because look, playing the kids and we're playing France, we're playing Brazil, playing Mbappé, Neymar against Italy. We know what Italy histori- what Italy has been historically. We beat Mexico. Woohoo. Right, So Dave Dave Sarakin, in his mind, says, look, I can't lose in this situation. Now, Greg Berhalter obviously is linked with the job. Doug um, McIntyre said it's just a matter of time last week on our show before he gets uh, the official announcement. There was an article in the Columbus Dispatch basically saying it's a matter of time as well. So Greg Berhalter is going to walk in, and the expectations, I think, around him is going to be through the roof. And will players respect an MLS-based head coach, Armand? I think that is a question worth going and diving into because we know what Bruce Arena was with Jeff Cameron and a lot of the other European players. Will Greg Berhalter reach out to the European-based players and make the locker room more cohesive and
1: make it more friendly for regardless of where you play your club football at? Yes, I think so. Um my thing is with Halter, my biggest gripe, again, it wasn't the fact that they chose Berhalter. It was the fact that the United States waited a year to choose Halter. because Halter has coached overseas. I think he coached in Norway. I want to say off the top of my head, he understands a little bit of that dynamic. He was a former player. You have to remember, Bruce Arena didn't play any soccer. He's kind of like me, you, and Jake. He's He's – he was, he was like, what, I think, a lacrosse coach, and they offered him a don't, soccer
2: job as well? Don't compare me to Bruce Serena, by the way.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're better. You're better. Don't worry. You're better. I, I'm better than that. Mirrorholder has played for the national team. He's played in MLS for a player, coached overseas, coached in MLS. I don't think that respecting will be as much of an issue uh, in terms of him being able to – he's also a little bit younger as well it, 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 with him – uh, in terms of relating to younger players. Like I said, Berhalter, I think, is a fine pick. Just don't wait over a year to pick Greg Berhalter. It should have been done in a matter of months. Um I I also would I would also argue and say Berhalter was seriously probably considering other jobs as well if he didn't accept it immediately. Like LA Galaxy.
0: There you go. Well Just Jake stuff. Jake, give you the final thoughts here with the U.S. men's national team and moving forward.
2: Yeah, I don't see how they don't respect Greg Berhalter. I mean, we, we're forgetting Greg Berhalter made 44 appearances with the national team over the span of 12 years, so that in itself has to have some weight with the players. And, and this guy, you know, Berhalter played over in, in Europe too as a player, and like Armand said, he coached in Norway. So if you're Christian Pulisic, if you're Josh Sargent, if you're Tyler Adams, Timothy Weah, whoever, I I I, I don't think that they're going to come into practice or into training and say, who's this guy? You know, this isn't this isn't some of these big shots, as uh, Bruce Arena would refer to them. This isn't some of the you know, this isn't a European coach. This isn't this guy doesn't know the game. He's an American, so I don't think he has to worry about anything like that. I mean, anybody's a step up from Dave Saracan. And Bruce
0: Arena. (laughs) And Bruce Arena. All right, well, there is our gripe with the U.S. Men's National Team. Tweet us on SoccerPod if you disagree. Let's get to the counterattack with Jake Watroba. Fast-paced, shifty movement, brilliant skill. It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba.
2: It's counterattack time here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. We have an MLS-centric counterattack, uh, more so, more so based in rumors uh, about maybe some player movement, maybe some Ooh, silly What's that? Is it silly season? It's silly season. Oh, my favorite season! I love so you silly love, season. You love silly season. All right, let's dive right in here. Uh, let's go. Let's talk about our our, our good friend Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, you guys yeah you know the uh 31 year old american but uh committed to play for the italian national team uh per major league soccer.com major league soccer <laughs> breaking its own news here we love it uh, uh, kind of the running joke on the show uh giuseppe rossi uh has interest in playing for red bulls in nycfc what are your guys thoughts on this
0: I don't get the players that want to like. Yeah, I want to play for this team. Do they ever? Does that really ever happen? Like, do you think Red Bulls and NYCFC look at that and take it seriously?
1: Um, I mean,
2: it worked for Ibra, right?
1: Yeah, but is Ibra. Not Giuseppe Rossi. I think Giuseppe Rossi is just trying to get trying to get some contracts, baby. He 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 needs a job. He got mouths to feed. That's why he's saying he wants to play for these two sides and but, why not play for a team like New York.
0: Okay, I I get it. Maybe not New York because those are big markets. But what if you're a smaller market team that could use his services? Would you not want to go after him? Like, there is value to him, I think. He is somebody that FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, New England Revolution could market around. You know, we talk about marketing. We talk about how players have an impact. This would be a name that people would draw their attention to.
1: Yeah, but I don't think it's that—I I would say in, in the Dallas-Houston, I guess, etc. I don't think it would be that big of a name to actually attract many people to come, to be honest with you.
2: I kind of agree with Armand, and given that Rossi turned down the U.S. national team, um, a part of me feels like he might be a little
1: hated. Nah. Depending upon what, what no, no one cares, man. No, no one, one cares. cares. Remember, we'll remember this was like I don't know how long ago it was, but, um, like our boy Clement Lisi said, I think that 10 years is like an eternity in American soccer. If that happened around 10 years ago, we forgot, bro. I wasn't even the picture 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> so A lot
1: of clubs me, weren't.
2: Are you telling me? Are you telling me in 2028? I'm not going to be upset that the U.S. failed to qualify for Russia. Well, enough
1: if they win in
0: 2026. Ooh. Well, yeah. Oh. oh okay. All
2: right. We're going to move on here. We're going to move on. We're going to leave it on. We're going to leave it on that. That was uh, a <laughs> <the> hot take. <tics. laughs> All right. Next topic up for discussion here. <coughs> uh, let's we're going to ask Armand first about this because this kind of involves the team he covers with FC Dallas. Uh, per Wikipedia, Armand, <laughs> Bruce Arena <laughs> is the head coach or manager of your, uh, your FC Dallas. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yay.
2: <laughs> okay, on a serious note, it... it can you see FC Dallas calling Bruce Arena up and saying, hey, do you want do you want to take over for uh, Oscar Pereja?
1: Look, um, I-, I honestly think Bruce Serena is a good Major League Soccer coach. Let me emphasize Major League Soccer coach, but not for FC Dallas' system. FC Dallas relies on the youth, and, I mean, I think we saw at the Galaxy, they didn't utilize that much youth, right? They have one of the best academies in Major League Soccer, but we don't hear about it. We, we-, we hear about players like jack mcbean bradford jamison they barely played under bruce arena and i don't think and i think the hunts also would want to pay his salary i think he'd demand a relatively high salary compared to any other candidate out there so i i don't see it realistically happening but it'd make for funny memes
0: um i think the it's just not a good fit bruce arena does not fit fc dallas and what fc dallas is about plain simple
2: i agree let's move on Let's move on. I don't want to talk Bruce Serena. Sorry.
0: Can't
2: do it. <laughs> Ouch. Bruce Serena. Uh, next topic here we have uh, from our boy Brian Stretto. We've had him on the show a couple different times here. Uh, Tab Ramos linked to MLS as a potential head coaching candidate for, for some clubs. Do you guys see Tab stepping away from the U.S. youth national team and carving out a name for himself in MLS?
0: I mean I could I could see it I just don't know where he would go. FC Dallas? I mean is are we going with FC
1: Dallas again? Well, I mean FC Dallas was linked. I mean the thing is with with Tab he's it was under his reign that they missed the Olympics, right? Am I am I mistaken? I feel like no, everyone's think, forgotten that. I think you're I think right. You're I think
0: this is this is I don't know what what the the proper Recency term is. bias?
1: Recency bias, yes. Uh, I mean, I'm willing to double check, but I feel like they've missed a couple of uh, uh, Olympics under him. And now all of a sudden he's like hailed as some savior because he got the U.S. to win like the U-20 CONCACAF uh, championship or something.
0: Well, it's recency bias. And this is also a, a great case of how winning covers up past mistakes and your true failures in sports, at least. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think you'd be an interesting fit, but how would it work? Uh, would would tab say, hey, I want to come in midseason after leading the U-20 team, in the World Cup oh. or what would they do? I think that would be very interesting to see because I don't because if that's the case, then would you want that? Would you want a coach to come in midseason? I mean, we see it doesn't Hell really work. No. no, God, No, no.
2: No, I don't think that's a good idea to to bring Tab Ramos in mid-season. So, right, let's move on. Final topic up for discussion here. This one's a doozy. This one's a doozy. Uh, From our guy Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. Felipe tweeted uh, earlier this afternoon. Maybe this was even yesterday. Actually, this is yesterday afternoon. My my apologies. Garber is there? Question mark. In reference to uh, Copa Libertadores, uh, Boca Juniors, and River Plate. Uh, Boca president names a guest list and mentions in, uh, El Presidente de la MLS. Is Don Garber on Pity Martinez watch?
1: <laughs> no, I, okay. I, I don't think so. I think maybe he thought – maybe Darren Ailes was there. The Atlanta president? That's I mean, a good if, question.
2: If, if he's the president him. of MLS –
1: it could be lost in translation right maybe I he could he, maybe he was trying to say hey Atlanta's president was there or a president of a team was there may not specifically like Don Garber because i think league uh, league officials denied that he was there right also what a what a thing you know mls linked with copa libertadores and then this happens yeah i think if you're mls you're like uh uh this is a no for me dog
2: <laughs> okay well let me let me okay let's just say for the, let's okay i guess this kind of Armand's answer kind of
0: takes foil Ted.
2: Tint. No, I guess what I was going to ask is if Don Garber is there, what are your thoughts on him basically skipping out on the Eastern and Western conference finals? I mean, think about it. He could have made an appearance at one of the two <clears throat> and instead goes down to Argentina to check out Boca versus river, which by all means is if it was, if it, if it was going to be played would have been the better uh, matchup of the three. But what are your what are your takes on that? Shouldn't Don Garber I mean let's just say for hypothetical purposes here, Don Garber should should he be in attendance for at least one of the two playoff matches for MLS?
0: Absolutely. I mean Roger Goodell ends up going to one of the uh AFC or NFC championship games. I think he uh he flip flops them every year, so he's at one. And he sits Yeah yeah, he should be. He should be. It's a bad look. Especially I think it's even a worse look with what, what happened down in you know in Argentina, like if he is on that guest list, like he does have power, he is a league commissioner. I mean, he, I just he's, he's definitely he talking, there. he's definitely talking with what's going on. He's like, Are you guys playing? Like, you know, all these executives are interlinked, and you know, the conversation is, is going on. I guarantee you, they have some sort of group chat working between what was Yeah, going what's on that? Conabelle, uh, MLS. Like, you know, they're all interlinked, so um, you know, not. Don, Garber has nothing to do with what happened in Argentina, but being down there is just not a good PR look. Uh, Are we going to talk about what happened to Argentina at all? Uh,
1: We're going to talk about that on a
0: future episode. Okay. We're going to get, we're going to give the proper time and etiquette.
1: So can I, so can I uh, be on the counterattack too, Jake? Go. Be in the counterattack. I don't, I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. uh, I'm, 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 joining, I'm joining on the counterattack. Uh, bonus Rattor, bonus round. Bonus Best round. appearance. Do you uh, – and I, I know you said you want to talk about this in a later episode, but uh, I saw a bunch of tweets. Uh, they are kind of in a joking format saying, uh, Garth Logoway uh, of the Sounders hitting up all the uh, River Plate slash Boca Juniors players saying, hey, you don't have to deal with this crap in this country. Um do you think seriously, if you're an MLS executive, are you reaching out to these guys and saying, hey, uh, uh, look, I, I know that th- this happened um, to the agents and saying, hey, I know this happened. But here in America, you don't really have any of that here. Well, You've here in America, you get, get no press in. coverage. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been waiting for this.
2: I think if you're an MLS uh, front office executive, you are definitely, that. that's your sales pitch. I think right now to any of these, uh, any players in Argentina, uh, you know, you don't have to deal with your team bus having bottles and rocks and whatever was tossed at the Boca bus yesterday. You don't have to worry about your bus windows being blown out and getting glass in your eyes. And then, Oh, by the way, uh, you get tear gassed by the police. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it that, come come to mls you can you can you know live in america here no one will know who you are you don't have to worry about being stopped in the street you know you can go live your life and not you know and not be in the spotlight you know if that's if that's what you want to do so i I, yeah i think that's definitely by the way too a lot you're gonna get paid on time which i don't know if a lot of these south american and central american clubs can really offer to some of their players
0: i think the matter is a lot more complicated than we're making it out to be I don't think it's as simple as saying come to America, you get paid on time and all this sounds good, but then again they're also professional footballers, and at the end of the day they do want the spotlight, and we have to be careful not for MLS to not you know promote the good parts of the league. Like this is a competitive league. I think the those those points that Jake made. I think if if you looked at it a, at a Sunday, that's the whipped cream and the cherry, the banana of the Sunday is still focused if you're making a sales pitch about MLS is the fact that the quality of play is increasing the fact that you you are just you know this is a stepping stone to Europe maybe hell you're probably lying when you're saying that because we still haven't seen a player really come from you know outside of the US academy or I guess MLS academy with you know Alphonso Davies going to Bayern Munich we still haven't seen a player really make that leap from a smaller league in Latin or South America to MLS and then going on to Europe. maybe we'll we'll see something new in the in the next two seasons. Almarone, Martinez, who's already spent time in Europe, but now he's gonna have a second chance. That might change people. And obviously Barco's a huge name to follow in the coming years.
1: Um, so uh, I, I, I agree uh, with most of what both of you are saying. Uh, my my thing with uh, your point even about the made the coverage is, uh, I guess that could be countered with hey, let's say they're going to a team like Seattle, a team like Atlanta. You think that changes the picture a little bit compared to like a team such as New England or a team such as FC Dallas?
0: Hundred percent. Obviously, it changes on on the market.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, I, so I think you're. I, that,
0: that's a different. That and I think that's a huge sales point too. I mean. If you're New England and you're going down to a player versus Atlanta, I mean, you walk you walk in, and you're Atlanta. You just show a picture of the TIFO of what happened today against uh, New York Red Bulls. The entire stadium's into it. Every seventy thousand show up. You're New England. You're not showing the stadium. You're not showing the fan base. <laughs> you're showing other stuff. I don't know what. Same with Dallas. You're showing Tom
1: Brady. you show show... a Patriots game. (laughs)
0: You show a Patriots game. Be like, yeah, football. And then you're lost in translation. You just say football a million times, hoping that they don't understand it's American football. So. All right. That's the counterattack. Listeners. Follow us on Twitter, @UncSamSoccerPod at armankify, at Jake jkwetrova, at And Boys, another episode in the bag. We excited for Thursday MLS Cup playoffs. Armand, Red Bulls, no uh,
1: chance. Red Bulls. I don't think. I think the Red Bulls will make it. Make it entertaining, but they'll lose. And Don Garber will smile as Atlanta United is in uh, MLS Cup on prime time. And then we'll have SKC squeaking out a two-one victory uh, over Portland. There you go, Jake.
2: Listen, Chief. <laughs> if New York Red Bulls come back. You guys can blame it on me, okay? (laughs) But here's the thing. I'm not going to sit and watch a nil-nil second leg of SKC in Portland. It's just not going to happen. And now when I say that, you know we're going to get like a 4-3 game now. (laughs) So you're
0: welcome. Thank you, Jake. Sworn morning, KC Atlanta will be your MLS Cup. See you next week.